Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 21 Walt's smile slid off his face and he stepped back as Paul advanced on him. Those things know we're in here now and they're never going to leave, Paul said. Jordan approached her father and reached for his hand. Daddy, stop yelling at them. It's... Paul cut off her words. Do you know what it took to get those things moving in one direction? To keep them away from us? Nicole got in Paul's face. Hey, look, man, we didn't know you guys were in here. Sorry for surviving and spoiling your good thing, but we're out there trying to live, too, she said. Paul and Nicole locked eyes and stared at each other. Finally, Paul looked at the rest of Nicole's group. Well, you just cut our chances of survival down to zero, he said. He stormed away. Jordan apologized with her eyes to Nicole, then turned and followed her father. Nicole watched him go, then stomped over to the GTO and collapsed in the driver's seat. Sam went over to her and leaned his head in the passenger side. It'll be all right. He's just scared. After everyone, Nicole wasn't in the mood. This is why I didn't want to take on riders, you know? I could be in Colorado by now if it wasn't for... She let her words trail off and rested her head on the steering wheel. Sam looked at her hurt before turning. He climbed up and sat on the trunk. He took a deep breath and tried to relax. He thought they were done for for sure out there. When he saw Paul waving them in, it was like a couple of miracles. One, that there were other survivors, and two, that they just might survive the latest mess they had gotten into. Regardless of how everyone felt right now, he was sure it could only be a good thing that there were other survivors, and they had helped them. The clamoring dead on the other side of the polycarbonate doors tried to make a case for the contrary. Walt sat in the stairwell of his bus and looked at everyone. Each had retreated to their own space. He noticed how each had their head down and was seemingly lost in thoughts of doom. Looking over at the man who had let them in, his eyes wandered to the line of fruit trees. He hauled himself up and made his way over. Paul saw one of the new survivors approach and buried himself in his book. The stranger shuffled his feet nervously and looked over at the fruit trees. Several seconds of silence passed before he spoke. Hey, man, uh, listen. I know we crashed your party, and we're real sorry about that, you know. The times being what they are, you find a place to hold up. That can be a precious thing, he said. Paul did not look up from his book. The man continued to stare at the trees. Me? I got a place on an island, man. I only came over to the mainland to see the sights, he said. Paul snorted. Your timing was perfect, he said. The man rubbed his chin and smiled. Yeah, people keep telling me that, he said. Paul looked up at him and could not contain a smile. 
He looked like a hippie throwback. The man smiled back at him, and Paul looked away. Where's your island? Paul said, wishing he could be more concerted in his anger. It's in the Hawaiian chain. It's a little one, but real nice, you know? I noticed your trees, man. They look awesome. On my island, I have trees, too. Fruit, man. It's nature's candy, he said, chuckling. Paul looked at the trees. The stuff across the street isn't going to last forever, so I thought I'd better do something, he said. The hippie looked down at the book Paul was reading. That book there, you know, it's really not the kind of trees you got, man, he said. Paul tried to hide his insecurity over his lack of knowledge about the trees. Yeah, I know that, but it's not exactly like the net is still up, is it? Government said they were shutting down lines of communication when martial law was declared. Internet, landlines, even the satellite feeds in the broadcast booth went down. All they showed us was the same stupid public service announcement. Stay in your homes. Don't panic. Yeah, right. Trouble is, there was no one left to turn it all back on again, Paul said. The man smiled at him. Well, that's okay, man, because I love my fruit. Learned a lot about them. Those trees are going to need pruning. You don't do it right, you could kill the whole branch, man, he said. Paul's eyes sunk, and the man seemed to notice. Well, I could show you how to do it, you know. I really love my fruit trees, man, he said. Paul looked at him. Interest battled caution on his face, and interest won. Yeah, all right. I mean, yeah, okay, Paul said. The man's smile grew bigger. All right, man, he said as he watched Paul haul himself out of his chair. You sure say man a lot, Paul said. Yeah, people keep telling me that a lot, too. Man, he said. Paul's smile grew in spite of his best efforts. My name's Walt, man, the man said, sticking out his hand. Paul, that's my daughter, Jordan, Paul said. Welcome to Liberty Bell Stadium. Billy sat against the front tire of the bus, hugging his knees to his chest. He thought the girl on the skates was pretty but he didn't know what to do about it. The decision was taken out of his hands as she skated up, doing a perfect pirouette before stopping in front of him. Hi, I'm Jordan. Like to skate? She said. Billy looked everywhere but at her face. He was fear-stricken. He was sure she'd just talked to him, but he did not know what he should do about that either. Hello? I said, do you like to skate? Jordan said demanding in her question. Billy was left with no choice but to face his fear and talk to her. I... I don't know. Never done it before, he said, his words a stammer. Jordan twirled again, watching her feet. That's okay. I can show you. I have another pair of skates over there. I like to change, so I always bring more than one pair with me. Those are pink, though, so you'll just have to make do, she said. Billy kept looking away. Jordan turned and began to skate away. When she noticed he was not following her, she stopped with her hands on her hips. Well, come on. Pink ain't nothing but a color, she said. Billy would rather have taken his chances outside with the zombie horde than interact with this girl. But he thought she was so pretty. He thought maybe if he didn't say anything, she wouldn't think he was stupid right away. Hoping the risk might be worth the reward, Billy got up and followed after her. Sam rested his feet on the back bumper and reclined against the window. He knew that Nicole was upset, and that is why she said the things she did. It didn't matter to him, 
he was alive and Nicole was the reason. He knew enough to know that he was not falling in love with her because of that, but he also knew he owed her his life. Regardless of what happened, he was not going to leave her. He vowed to himself to do whatever he could to make sure she got to Colorado. Comforted by this firm resolution, Sam drifted off to sleep. In the front seat of the GTO, Nicole fumed. She watched Walt talking to the new guy. She looked over and saw Billy looking like he wanted to crawl under a rock as he stood all too unsteadily on his feet in pink roller skates, receiving instructions from the girl. She glanced back and saw Sam resting on the trunk. She shook her head and stared off into the distance. She wondered what was going on in Colorado. She needed to get there. That was her only goal, not gathering around her a bunch of misfits who looked like they could not take care of themselves and were only slowing her down. If she had been by herself, she could have jumped in the GTO and sped away, could have left the horde in her dust. She had to wait for Walt to get moving, and that wait had cost her precious seconds. An opposing thought entered her mind. If Walt had not called to her on the radio, she might be trapped in the Allmart instead of here. Then again, maybe not. Maybe if she had been alone, with nobody standing outside playing the human Slim Jim on top of the bus, the horde would have moved on by. The debate tired her, and she rubbed her face. Her head fell back against the headrest. Inactivity was her enemy. What did her dad always say? What's the most dangerous thing in the world? A bored soldier. It was why he always made them do something, even when his troops were sitting on the deck with their gear. It was a lesson Stephen Bennett said he learned the hard way. He was a young LT on an incursion into enemy territory. They had cleared their zone and were resting up. A couple of young recruits were off by themselves and were messing with a rocket-propelled grenade when they blew themselves up. They were the only casualties his unit suffered on that operation. From then on, even downtime was filled with purposeful activity. Besides, her father said, an idle mind gives you time to feel bad about where you are, and there was no value on a mission in feeling bad. Nicole had gotten to feeling bad. She raised her head and climbed out of the car. She grabbed her gun and went around to the back. Sam snoozed, lightly snoring. Come on, Sam, you need to learn how to field strip and clean your rifle, she said. Sam woke up and looked around. He grabbed his rifle, hauled himself off the trunk, and followed Nicole. Nicole and Sam finished assembling their rifles and were wiping them down when Walt approached. Hey guys, Paul, that's the new guy. Or maybe we're the new guys since it's their place, man. Well, anyway, he says if we're hungry, he can show us the cafeteria. Says he's got a whole spread in there, man, Walt said. Sam stood up and looked at Nicole. Nicole smirked at him. You don't need my permission, Sam. If you're hungry, just go, she said. Sam was about to say something, but figured it would not be all that helpful. He turned and followed Walt over to Paul. Nicole slung her rifle and watched them a moment before falling in behind them. Paul looked for his daughter. She was slow skating next to one of the new arrivals, a young boy. He seemed unsure on those skates. Great. All they needed was another mouth with a broken ankle. He dismissed these thoughts as nonproductive and called to Jordan. Put your skates up, Jordan. It's time to eat, he said. Jordan and Billy went over and sat on a bench by the sidelines and exchanged their skates for their shoes. Paul eyed the young boy with his daughter. When Jordan rose, 
Paul took her hand and led her away, whispering to her, I don't want you hanging out with that boy. We don't know anything about him or his group. Jordan smirked. We were just skating, Dad. Paul hurried her away, casting a long glare back at the boy, who sat on the bench looking down. Paul and Jordan led the group down the home team entrance at the 50-yard line and into a wide hallway that encircled the interior of the stadium below field level. Before you showed up, we went to Allmark twice a week to get groceries. We don't get much, just enough to last us. There's plenty of other stuff, though, if you like stadium food, Paul said. As they continued down the wide subterranean hall, Nicole came alongside Paul. What about those things outside? Can they get in? She said. Paul did not look at her immediately and gave all the appearances of a man biting his tongue. No, they can't get in. I don't know how much you know about their behavior, but I watched them long enough to know that they're mindless. They don't think things out. They followed you in here, and they will just keep banging away at the polycarbonate until the end of time, or something else distracts them. There's no way they can get through those doors, and the only other exit is the players and staff parking entrance, which are locked tight, Paul said. Nicole kept pace with Paul. Okay, well, if they can't get in, is there any way we can get out? She said. Paul stopped abruptly and turned on her. Look, I had those things all focused on one thing and moving in one direction. It took me a long time and cost me my best friend. You people show up and give them something new to think about and lead them right to my door. Now they are ten deep all around us with nothing else to do, so... No, you can't get out, Paul said. Paul looked at Nicole, then looked to the rest of her group. He sighed a deep sigh. He did not mean to sound so harsh, but those were the facts, and he lacked the energy or will to smooth things over. If you'll follow me, I can show you where you all can get something to eat, he said, turning back down the corridor. He led them past the team training room to a set of wide double doors, over which was a sign indicating the cafeteria. Paul pushed open the doors, revealing several rows of long tables. In the back was a large stainless steel kitchen with several massive refrigerators and freezers. The power still works, which quite frankly is unbelievable at this point, so you'll be able to pretty much cook what you want. We passed the training room. In there are showers and lockers to put any stuff you want, Paul said. The group filed in and looked like kids in a candy store. Billy, Sam, and Walt were all smiles as they pushed into the kitchen area. Nicole stood looking around, taking it all in. She glanced at Paul, who looked like he was not happy, but was going to try to make the best of it. Look, I know you're not happy to see us, but... Thanks, Nicole said. Paul smiled uncomfortably at her, then looked to Jordan, who was in the kitchen giving a grand tour. Jordan, let's give these people some time to eat and get cleaned up, okay? Paul said. Jordan sighed and her shoulders slumped as she traipsed over to her father. Paul took her hand and led her out. We usually watch a movie on the Jumbotron at night. You guys are welcome to join us, Paul said before exiting, closing the door behind him. Nicole watched Sam, Billy, and Walt rummage through stacks of stadium food in anticipation of full stomachs before slowly making her way over. With full stomachs and hot showers, everyone was feeling better. When Nicole came out of the training room, she found Walt, Sam, and Billy standing there. What are you all doing? she said as she slung her rifle back over her shoulder. She noticed the others did not have their guns and was about to ask why they didn't when Walt interrupted her. Waiting for you, man. You're going to the movie with us? he said. Nicole was in no mood for a movie. 
She had meant to talk to Paul about how to either get the dead away from the building or formulate a plan to get out. As she looked at the three, her resolve faltered. They all stared at her with pleading and expectant eyes, as if to say, Yeah, I know we're screwed, but tonight can we just forget that for a minute? Nicole rolled her eyes. Fine, she said. Sam, Walt, and Billy all seemed to smile at the same time as they turned to make their way to the field entrance ramp. When they came up on the field, Paul was talking to Jordan, and it looked like they were arguing. They stopped as the four approached. Let's ask them, Jordan said and turned to Nicole. Daddy wants to watch his favorite movie, again, but I want to watch one of mine. Which one do you guys want to watch? Jordan said, holding out two DVDs. Nicole looked down and saw that Jordan was holding Die Hard and Twilight. Sam, Billy, Walt, and Nicole all shifted nervously and gave every indication that they were going to try not to be rude. Practically in unison, they all said, Die Hard! Paul sighed. Oh, thank God, he said. Jordan's head slumped and she stomped her foot, then handed Die Hard to her father. Maybe we can watch it next time, okay, sweetheart? Paul said. Okay. Jordan said. As Nicole passed, she saw Jordan smiling. Jordan looked up at Nicole. I like Die Hard, too. Bruce Willis is hot. Just don't tell my dad, okay? She said in a whisper. Nicole smiled and made like she was sealing her lips and throwing away the key. Jordan jumped with glee and took Nicole's hand and led her to the middle of the field. There were blankets and lounge chairs spread out. In front of them was the massive jumbotron hanging from the ceiling. Paul huffed it up the steps and disappeared in the control box as everyone took a seat. On the huge screen, the FBI warning against piracy came up. Paul hurried back down and over to his chair, collapsing into it. He did not notice immediately that Jordan and Billy were sitting next to each other on one of the large blankets. Are you all right, Daddy? Jordan said. Paul held up his hand and tried to get the words out, but his lungs were too occupied with trying to recover from his run up and down the stairs. I'm... Fine, honey, he said, gasping. Catching his breath, he looked at Billy, who was staring at the huge screen, then at his daughter. Come sit over here by me, okay, sweetheart? Paul said. Jordan, who was lying on her stomach with her hands under her chin, hung her head in frustration and knew it was a fight she was not going to win. I have to go sit with my dad for no reason, she said to Billy. Billy looked away nervously and tapped his foot. It's okay, I understand he said. He watched Jordan get up and go over to her dad. He looked quickly back at the screen when he saw Paul staring at him. As John McLean's flight from New York to Los Angeles landed, Nicole sat in her lounge chair in the middle of Liberty Bell Stadium and stared at the jumbotron. She wanted to let herself enjoy the night, but she couldn't. She knew they had to get out of there, and that doing so would probably destroy all the good Paul and Jordan had found.